For us, we're going to be in uh, one more week in Colossians, and uh, this is our last week in this uh, series, uh, and it's also the first week of Advent, so it's a nice overlap because uh, this theme of the mystery of Christ, that's an odd phrase uh, when we start talking about mystery and uh, things that are hidden. Uh, what, would, what is Paul talking about when he's speaking about this to the people here uh, as he writes uh, Colossians? And so we're going to look at that and see how that interacts with our understanding of Christmas, our understanding of Jesus coming in flesh, and how that uh, really has a great import for us. So if you would stand with me and we're going to look at Colossians 1, 24, and then we're going to look uh, all the way through the first three verses of chapter 2. So like we uh, read last time, uh, or a couple, uh, over the last couple weeks, we're going to start there just because it begins a paragraph and then carry on from verse 24. Paul writes, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church." of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory." Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would uh, be in our midst, that you would speak to us from your word. God, thank you that your word is powerful and effective. Uh, it accomplishes what you desire when it comes out from you and re before it returns. So God, I pray as we spend one more week in this book of Colossians, God, that you and your goodness and your grace and your sovereign care and uh, just your love for your people would come through. God, I pray that we wouldn't get caught up in words like mystery and hiddenness. Uh, but Father, what would it be for us to understand you as the one who holds all things, that we can trust you even when we don't comprehend what's going on. So Father, give us that faith uh, today and give us ears to hear and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Be seated. So we're going to do a little exercise uh, and I'm going to put a sentence up. And uh, if you're on the live stream, uh, this may or may not work, but I'm going to put a sentence up and I want you to just read through it and count the number of occurrences of the letter F, okay? F as in Frank, and uh, don't say your answer to your neighbor, all right? So I want you to read through it and count the occurrences of the letter F. 
All right, that should be good. And all right, so who found at least one? Uh, who found, okay, good, okay. Uh, who found at least two? Okay, who found at least three? All right, and so four? Wow, what? Oh, right, audible gasp from uh, at least 90% of us. Who found five? Who found six? Okay, who's done this before? Okay, uh, right? So there are six F's in that sentence. Okay, here are the first three that are pretty obvious. Okay, finished files and scientific. Those are the three that most people find. Here are the other three. The, the F in, uh, in of, um, I don't know why, but your brain processes it not as an F. And, uh, and so there were six F's right in front of you. And you probably only saw three of them, or at least most people in this room only saw three. And even when I said there were four, you didn't believe me, right? And then I said six, you're like, that guy's crazy, right? They were there the entire time, but you couldn't see them. You looked right past them. They were hidden. They had to be revealed. They had to be shown to you. They had to be made known. So two words in the book of Colossians, which are somewhat surprising, are the words, uh, are the words mystery and hidden. So they're used a few ways in this book. So here are the ways that the word mystery is, is used. To make known the word of God, or, or to make the word of God fully known, comma, which is, in a sense, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. So the word of God was a mystery hidden for ages and generations. Later in that same, uh, same uh, I'm in the end of chapter one right now, talks about this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Earlier in chapter two, it talks about God's mystery, which is Christ. And then later in, in chapter 4, uh, Paul talks about that he is called to declare the mystery of Christ. It's not a word we often use. It's actually one that I, I would submit we might be a little bit uncomfortable with. And then we get the word hidden, that it's a mystery hidden for ages and generations in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and then later in three, that, uh, that Paul's talking about us as his people, that our life is hidden with Christ is God, in God. That he was hidden for ages and generations, but now our life is hidden with Christ in him. So in order to rightly understand this idea of mystery, okay, we, uh, we must not feel what one commentator calls a compulsion— to come up with a single specific reference for Paul's idea of this mystery. Because Paul applies it, as you just heard, to a number of different aspects of God's climactic work that he does in Jesus. Okay, So it's not like one little thing. It's, it says that Jesus, Christ, is a mystery. Christ in you is a mystery. The mystery of the, the hiddenness of the word of God uh, over generations and ages, these are, are aspects of this mystery. So in talking about that word, Paul is not talking about some secret knowledge that only a select few people possess. 
That's not what he's talking about. He is writing about the plan of God that God has unfolded, unknown to mankind, a mystery, yet very much in the mind of God. Does that make sense? The mystery is a mystery to us, not to God. And so because this idea of mystery is about Jesus, and and how does Paul describe Jesus? He says the substance of all things belongs to Christ. In Christ, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him. It says that Christ is all and in all, instead of Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, scythian, slave-free, all of that. No, Christ is all. And he's in everyone, and he is the head of all rule and authority. So the mystery is, is in a sense, how is God going to save this world? How is God going to deal with the effects of the fall of man and the initial sin of mankind? How is God going to deal with the reality of human sin and rebellion against him? The answer is in Christ. And so as we look at this passage, it's going to lead us into our Advent series because we really are going to see the mystery of God's unfolding plan, okay? So let's go back to Colossians 1. We read it, but let's kind of verses 25 and 26 where where Paul's talking about that he has come to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, Interesting, right? So that Paul is going to speak the word, but he describes the word of God as being hidden from generations of people. But now it's revealed to his people uh, at this point in time, first century. Okay? Then verse 27, uh, he says, to them, to... to re- uh, now revealed to his saints, which is saints is not like, like anybody that's holier than anybody else. Saints being one who trusts in Christ, made holy by the righteousness of, of Jesus. Now revealed to those people, Paul says, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So again, he uses the same word, not just about the the word of God in the prior verses, but now he is talking about the mystery being Christ, not just Christ, but Christ as he dwells in us, and that gives us hope. Sufficiently confused? Okay, good. Uh, And so we gain a little bit of perspective from what Paul's talking about from Ephesians 3. Because Ephesians 3 parallels our passage almost, well, I mean, it's like really, really close. And you'll hear different words uh, in that. Ephesians 3, verses 4 and 5, he's writing to, obviously, the church in Ephesus. He says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, meaning, you know, like Old Testament Uh, people, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by his Spirit. Interesting. That not made known to other generations, people of, of the past, but now revealed. So he's talking about a present fulfillment, or at least a recent history fulfillment of this mystery. 
that during the life of this generation that he's writing to, what did we see? We saw Jesus was born as a baby, became God in flesh. He lived in perfect obedience to his father. He was betrayed and he was crucified for the sins of his people. He rose from the dead and conquered the grave, and yet God's people still missed it. It had to be revealed to them. Think with me back to the end of the book of Luke. Jesus dies on the cross. He rises from the dead. They go to the tomb, and the tomb is empty. And then there's a couple of guys walking uh, to Emmaus. And they're, they're on their way to Emmaus, and Jesus kind of strolls up behind them. I would have loved to have seen that scene, right? You know, and Jesus is like, hey, what are you guys talking about? And their, their response is great. Like, have you been under a rock? Is basically what they say. You know, like, like, have you not been paying attention? Because our Savior, get this, uh, our, our Savior who we had hoped, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since all of these things have happened. He was basically saying, we had hoped that he would be the one that saves us. Yet he died, they put him on the cross, and it's been three days since he's been dead, so that means he's like really dead. Mostly. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Thank you. Anybody that's like probably, what, 40 or older? All right, thank you. And, all right, they they told him, uh, they told him that some have said that he was alive. So it was like, wait, wait, we thought this guy, we had hoped that he was going to be the one, yet... He just died. They crucified him. And then the, but some of, some of us have seen him alive, and they say he is alive. And then this is what Jesus says in verse 25. He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that these prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets... He interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What's the mystery? Is right here. That God's people have missed it entirely. They just watched Jesus live, to, to, was born, live, and die uh, for their sins, and they miss it. He rose from the dead, and they don't see it. Because they had to be revealed, and it had to be made known to them the unfolding plan of God. Jesus, here to these on this road to Emmaus, declares the mystery of Christ. It's not some mysterious knowledge. It is the mystery that God would send his son into this world and unfold this plan that he's been prophesying and promising so his son would come and live and then die for his people, rise to give them Life, the eternal plan of God hidden for thousands of years, unfolding over time. Yet, that's what we celebrate here at Christmas, isn't it? You know, that we celebrate the first stage of the revealing of what God has kept hidden or had kept hidden for ages and generations. So, so at Christmas, what are we celebrating? We're, in, we're celebrating the incarnation. So the word carne... Um, in, uh, in uh, different languages is the word for flesh or for meat, right? Chili con carne, um, you know, chili with meat. Uh, and uh, so the incarnation 
is the in-flesh nature of God. And God coming in flesh, it's like, wait a second, that sounds like a mystery. And that's what Colossians 2 says. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In that little baby that was born, the whole fullness of God was dwelling in bodily form. Now that's a mystery, and then he keeps going, for for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who's the head of all rule and authority. The mystery is the unfolding plan of God and how that becomes our salvation. There's this interesting study, which we don't have time to do. Study the word filled and fullness in this book. It's fascinating, because in Jesus the whole fullness of God dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him. It's not just that God comes uh, in the flesh in its fullness, is that then that becomes our hope, which we're going to get to in a little bit. It's this idea of the unfolding plan of God that makes us somewhat a little bit nervous because we don't know what's going to happen Can God be trusted? The answer is absolutely. But even when God delays in bringing about his plan, delays in terms of what we would want, don't we get a little bit nervous? We watched a movie on uh, Thanksgiving night, kind of resurrected an old uh, Nishaw tradition. We went to the movies and we went and saw King Richard. Okay, King Richard uh, is not about a king. Uh, it is about the, the father of Venus and Serena Williams, famous tennis players, uh, and the drive of their father to have them achieve what they have achieved. So spoiler alert, Venus and Serena ended up being really good at tennis. Okay? So sorry I ruined the movie for you. But the, the movie depicts how Richard Williams mapped out a plan for his girls, for them to be pro tennis players, and not just any pro tennis players, not just professionals. He wanted them to be the best in the world. And he mapped out a plan day by day of having his girls accomplish this. Conventional wisdom, coaches, trainers, writers, everybody were just undone with Richard Williams and his plan for his girls because they would plead for him to do different things, plead with him to do things opposite of what he was saying. And he was unshaken. He goes, he pointed to his little book. He's like, it's right here in the plan. To everyone around them, the plan was unknown. It was misunderstood. It was hidden. And it forced coaches and trainers into a very unfamiliar posture. It was one where they were not in control, that they were waiting, they were not knowing what would, what would happen next, and they weren't the ones holding the plan, and it drove them crazy. Well, the Apostle Paul points to a mystery of the unfolding plan of God, an unfolding plan that we don't hold either, much like those coaches, yet we have one who is much more faithful and much more wise than Richard Williams, and he's the one who is holding it. Even with that uncertainty, we still don't like the posture of waiting, of not knowing, of being expectant, of things being hidden from us, especially in a knowledge-based, rational, full-of-reason culture, not knowing, waiting, and having things hidden from us drives us crazy. 
But that's the idea of Advent, that God is taking his time, unfolding his plan, not according to our timeline, but his. Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. You know, the one that is the one they were waiting for. O come, O come, Emmanuel, ransom captive Israel, uh, the, the ones that mourn in lonely exile until the Son of God appear. It's this advent tension, as one writer would say, where we're battling between uh, the, the feeling of angst of, of what's broken in this world and longing for God to make it right. That's what advent is really about. Rowan Williams, he calls that the advent tension. What is broken and then what we hope for. We're longing for things to be set right again, longing for the return of Jesus, yet we live with this feeling of angst and longing during that season. That's Advent. And we're looking for the hope of the gospel. We're looking for that mystery of Jesus to break in uh, into our lives and to unfold the plan of God. But then we see that not just is uh, the mystery of God in an unfolding plan, but we see the mystery of God made fully known. Just like that sentence we had up earlier, you know, how many F's are up on that screen, right? It had to be revealed to you. And just like that, this has to be revealed to us. Again, this is not a secret knowledge, but it is, uh, it is God revealing himself and his plan to his People. So cut to the middle of this verse uh, where, where Paul is talking about being a minister, according to the stewardship of God, at the end, to make the word of God fully known. There's the idea of being fully known again. And then to them, God chose to make known these things. And so, so the, the reality of God's mystery and God's goodness and God's purpose is, has to be shown to us. And where is it shown most pointedly is in the person of Jesus. So we're cutting into the middle of verse 2, picking up into 3. Talks about the, the riches of the glory of God's mystery. And what is that? It is Christ. And in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. One commentator said, this is the Christological high point of this letter. What does that mean? It is like the big point of Jesus being absolute king and ruler of all things. Many people would say verses 15 to 20 of chapter 1 are the high point. That's building to this crescendo. It is building to the point that anything you need to know in order to live as a faithful person of God, know about yourself, know how to please God in this life, is found in Christ, and that's the mystery. The mystery is know him and you will know all that you need to know. And in that, when the mystery of God is made fully known, guess what happens? is we find ourselves with this idea of just a full assurance, confidence, confidence today of what will happen tomorrow, confidence of what God has already done that secures a future for us. And so I, let, let's kind of zoom out from verse three or two and three where we were. And Paul is writing to these people, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you is what he says in verse one. And all these other, other people in all these other cities, even people who have not met me face to face, picks up here. 
that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, it's a parenthetical, that their hearts may be encouraged, jump down to reach, that their hearts may be encouraged to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. That's a mouthful, okay? I think Paul would fail English class, right? Too many prepositions stacked on top of each other. What in the world is he talking about? He is basically saying to these people, he's saying, he's encouraging them, imploring them to reach for, to take hold of the riches, the fullness of being assured of what God is doing in his unfolding plan. And so the only way to do that uh, is to have an understanding and a knowledge. Remember that the context of this letter, who, he's writing to a people where the experts have come in. The experts have come into this church and they have basically said, the middle part of chapter 2, that in order to really be a Christian... In order to really be walking with God, you've got to do all of these certain things. It even says in verse 18, insisting on asceticism. We don't even know what that word means. Um, It means to go without pleasure. Uh, Insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels. Going on in detail about visions. Puffed up uh, without reason by a sensuous mind, but not holding fast to the head. So these people came in and said, oh, oh, for you to be really walking with the Lord, you've got you've to really go without, put pleasure on the back seat. You've got to have these visions and this secret knowledge. And Paul is saying that is utter nonsense because everything you need to know is found in Christ, in Christ alone. And be assured and be encouraged, not filled with doubt. Do I know enough? Am I having the right experience? Am I doing the right things? He's saying the full assurance is not in that. The full assurance of, of how you live in this life is based on Christ and holding fast to him. In a sense, it's not based on your experience. You just get to grab onto Jesus. And the reality is found there. Paul is hammering the fact to the Colossians that they already have everything they need. And that's why there's this high concentration, as one commentator would say, high concentration of knowledge language. Okay, remember, we're talking about these things being made known, right? And so in all of these verses, you see in verse 27, the the phrase make known, verse 28, wisdom, Uh, 2-2, you see complete understanding to know wisdom and knowledge. It's like for us to be, these things to be revealed to us is to grapple with and go after the knowledge of God found in his word. But what's great is it's not just for us. It's not just for the people that would say, you know what, this is just, we're the chosen Jewish people. We have the, the blessing of God. It is for us and for the world. Even the people here in, Col- in Colossae are downstream of this. To them, basically remember, those were the saints that God revealed his plan to. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The idea of the Gentiles, the nations, that it's not just for the Jewish people. Ephesians 6, Paul writes it this way, that this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow 
heirs, members of the same body, and partaking of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The mystery is not only Christ, not only Christ in you as his people, but the mystery is Christ coming and being uh, a savior uh, to, to the entire uh, world, that people in every nation, tribe, tongue, uh, and language have access to the living God, the mystery of a worldwide impact. And so the, the hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, is not just for God's people. It's hope of all the earth, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. But then there's another mystery that we do, we've, we've read, but we haven't touched on. And it's the mystery of Christ in us. Get this. That the indwelling by the Spirit, Jesus dwells in his people. What's really interesting uh, did you catch that? that? That how great are the riches of, this, of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That when you receive Christ by faith, he, he says he dwells in you by his spirit. That you, uh, that you know these things, that the power of God comes by faith. But what's really interesting is that then in verse 3, is that it says, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Which is it? Is Christ in us or are we in him? Yes. He in us and we in him. Christ in you and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when he comes and dwells in us, you have the hope of glory. That it is not just for you to have a life now of knowing Christ. It is your future as well. There was a, uh, a famous uh, preacher around the 400 AD named John Chrysostom. Uh, and when he was Archbishop of Constantinople, okay, uh, he was brought before the Byzantine Empress, Empress Eudoxia. She was frustrated because of his independent thought processes and his resistance to her authority as he stood on biblical authority for the gospel. And like any good emperor, uh, she threatened him. First, she threatened to banish him, and he replied, you can't banish me, for this world is my father's house. Okay, then I will kill you, she says. No, you cannot, for my life is hidden with Christ in God. She then retorts, I will take away your treasures. No, you cannot, for my treasure is in heaven and my heart is there Then she says, but I will drive you away from your friends and you will have no one left. To which John says, no, you cannot. For I have a friend, capital F, a friend in heaven from whom you cannot separate me. I defy you, for there is nothing you can do to harm me. The mystery of Christ is that he is not just coming, unfolding the plan of God, but he dwells in his people and we dwell in him. And our life is hidden with Christ in God. And then we have everything that we need for this life. And Christmas begins to unfold that plan. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would um, take a lot of knowledge, a lot of content, and Holy Spirit, would you land it? 
Would you land the plane where if we need to grapple with your unfolding plan, which we don't understand, God, have us be there. Father, if we need to be ones that are going after more knowledge and understanding of of who you are and your, and your word. God, I pray that you would, by your spirit, empower us for that. God, if we need to hear that you dwell in us, God, that that gives us not just hope for this life, but hope beyond this life, hope of glory. Father, I pray that you would encourage us with that. Father, you are, uh, you are good. You are the one who holds all things. And Father, I pray that we would be able to trust you in that, God, by your word, would you uh, bring about uh, just a real deep and abiding faith, Father, that you would do an amazing work in us. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is powerful and effective. God, help us to be a people that dwell uh, and have your word dwell richly in us. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.